This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. To the masses, currently clutching their college football pearls. Sanka, folks. Sanka. Dan, do you know what Sanka is? You can say no. Some, like, cheap coffee alternative? Uh, wow. Okay, Dan. We got facts and opinion. Uh, a cheap coffee. Uh, I think inexpensive would have been factual. Dan went cheap. Uh, a cheap coffee alternative. Sanka, back when I was growing up, mid to late 70s, um, I think it only came in a can. And it was, like, freeze-dried, whatever, you know, crappy cheap coffee it was decaf which i'm gonna say you you may as well have handed my father a cup of your saliva if you were going to offer him decaf or anything in addition to just strong black coffee um but yeah sanka was decaf and sanka was recommended for people who stressed out too much or people who didn't get enough sleep or people who are on edge or jittery the last thing you want, if you're having problems keeping your, you know, toes tapping, fingers drumming, you don't want to drink three cups of coffee in the morning. So Sanka, calm you down. Well, there are a lot of folks looking around right now. Oh, my goodness. All this money now to coaches. Where is it coming from? Jimbo, he got his he got his deal early in the season, didn't he? It's like week three or so, week four. Jimbo already went ninety five. Mel Tucker ninety five. Brian Kelly, I saw it could be as much as one hundred and ten, I believe. Lincoln Riley's going to be north of a hundred. Plus, however much a jet's worth. Hey, there's this sandwich shop in Denver. Honey, grab the kids. We're going for grilled cheese. Oh, by the way, you know what we hadn't talked about? What Ryan Day and Nick Saban are about to get. Because Ryan Day's looking around going, um, yeah, I just beat Mel Tucker 56-7. to seven. And I'm going to tell you, I think it could happen as soon as Sunday morning. 
I, I, it will not last past middle of January, especially if Georgia wins the national championship. I think Kirby's going to get $15 million a season. That's what I believe. Where's it coming from? Ain't coming from anywhere. It was always there. All that's changed is you now have benched quarterbacks making bank peddling tea or dodge trucks. So now that players can earn cash, athletic departments are really breaking out the paper for head coaches. They don't have to kind of be coy anymore. Wool, whoo, right over your eyes. It's going to be the money, but let's just kind of backdoor things. Instead of deep-rooted business deals with boosters X, Y, and Z. See, that was like Gary Patterson at TCU before he got fired a month ago. Uh, Gary Patterson, if we can, can go back at 2009 or 12 or 15, whenever he just had it rolling at the most in Fort Worth. I'd always been told when he got involved. Now, this was – I saw it alluded to a little bit, you know, in, in stories, you know, digital story, print, whatever. But when I would have conversations, and it was never like, hey, keep this private. It, it was nothing like that. This isn't scandalous. But I'm saying one thing that I started noticing was any time I would talk to somebody, about, hey, Gary Patterson's being mentioned for a job, whatever. Folks, people who should know – about Gary Patterson and that situation and TCU football and will he leave? And it was always a very short answer. Nah, he's not leaving or really unlikely or it takes some, you know, it was never just a really good job. You know, Ole Miss, that's a really good job. In my opinion, that's a really good job. It's in the SEC and it's a great live in Oxford. Huh? Yes, please. Um, and so get out of, what do they call it, the Metroplex? Get out of that, head over to Oxford. That's a better job for me. And whenever I would ask, for instance, I would be told, yeah, you're right about that, but nah, Gary's a little different. And it would be a very short answer that was always a very definite no, and it would include language, something about deep-rooted business deals. That's what I'd always been told about Gary Patterson. Now athletic departments should just be blatant and give a coach like Mel Tucker, give a coach hired with a career five and seven record who is now 17 and 14 and coming off a seven touchdown loss to a division rival. Give that guy a 10 year, $95 million contract. Oh, wait a minute. I did not describe Mel Tucker's contract fully. I just said 10-year, $95 million contract. Fully guaranteed. 10-year, $95 million contract for a guy who was 17 and 14. We will take a break. Come back next. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show continuing on a Friday, and it's about the best Friday possible to be the Chuck Oliver Show. 
because it's ahead of championship Saturday, which is ahead of playoff seed Sunday. Used to be a brunch thing. I told, told that story last week. First year they're giving those playoff seats. I've got Benedict in front of me or French toast or something. Wife's like, she's pointing. Look, dinosaur. I turn around. I was like, oh, the entire restaurant went quiet. It was like a scene from a movie. Uh, and that was that TCU Baylor thing. And so that's what we're getting this Saturday, uh, excuse me, this Sunday. Except instead of how they did it in 2014, do you know what Colonel Tom Parker, his most famous saying was? That was Elvis's manager. He, now, he would lie just as soon as he breathed in air, and he was a thief and all kinds of things. But never give away what you can sell. And that first year, that presentation thing was like 30 minutes. And in the first five minutes, they were like, all right, here are the playoff seats. Do we know what uh, Sunday's broadcast is? Folks, I think it's six hours. I think it's six hours. And you'll start getting the bowl matchups and all of that stuff, but it it ain't like it was in 14. They're like, wait a minute, TV inventory. Want to welcome on now a guy who covers uh, everything to do with the SEC and really college football. Uh, He knows what's what. Senior national columnist Saturday down south. It's Connor O'Gara. Connor, brother, how you doing? Chuck, I'm doing well. Friday before conference championship weekend is always a, a lovely time. I, I feel like I, I still have so many questions, even though I'm I'm being boring and I'm and I'm gonna you know I guess I'm spoiler alert here. I, I think we're gonna have a chalky weekend in conference championship yeah. weekend, but I, I'm very much looking forward to the action. And of course, who doesn't love a six-hour playoff show on Sunday? Yes, the unfolding. It's it's like the uh, the the March Madness show where it used to be. There's the bracket, print it, and I was like, wait a minute. Now it's four and a half hours. Uh, Connor, let's talk uh, SEC first of all. And it's sports. There's always a chance. There's less of a chance when you can't pass protect, but there's always a chance. Um, break down Alabama's for me because I'm kind of out of, uh, of of realistic paths. Chuck, I, I don't want to say that that I'm I'm giving you saturated content here. I think this is like the 13th radio show I've done this week, and every single time I talk about Alabama's chances, I use the words cosmic forces, which lets you know that the only way Alabama staying close, if I'm using that cosmic forces, I don't feel very good about it because everything that you look at with this matchup suggests Georgia should dominate that matchup up front with the Alabama offensive line against Georgia's front should be ugly. I mean, like capital U ugly. That's not a get right game. Alabama's 105th in the country in rushing in the month of November. All right. They couldn't run the ball against Auburn. They couldn't run the ball against LSU. It's, it's going to be lopsided in that way. Now, the great equalizer, of course, is Bryce Young. How does Bryce Young escape the pocket? How does he keep his eyes downfield? And can the Channing Tindles, the Nolan Smiths of the world for Georgia, get to him when he rolls out? That's the key right there. If you can get to Bryce Young and get him into some of these third and 14s, third and 16s, then Georgia dominates this matchup, and I don't think it's particularly close. But if we're able to see Bryce Young kind of get away, Jameson Williams bust one loose, I think there's a decent chance that this goes to halftime, maybe in a, a tie game or something like that. And then, you know, you just never know in the second half with Kirby against Saban with three second half leads that, that Kirby's had in this matchup and not able to close out any one of them. But cosmic forces is the thing I keep coming back to with Alabama, which is pretty telling at this point in the season. Oh, I agree with you because I am as bricks and mortar. I am not about, ooh, somebody spooked, hocus, fucking. that stuff doesn't work in football as much. I am down to... Give me the Bama team that's had to listen for a month. They can't win. You know, give me the Bama team that's had to listen for the past week. They got no chance. But that's not real very often. Um, 
I want a, a, a specific question for you. If if it's Alabama's best defense possible Saturday, if if their personal best game uh, against this matchup, what does that look like? I think that looks actually pretty promising because uh, the biggest question we have on the side of the Georgia offense is what's it going to look like Will Anderson, Stetson Bennett? If Will Anderson can get to him and all of a sudden put Georgia in some of these tougher spots, some of these obvious passing situations, that changes obviously what they and like any offense in America wants to do. And if he can even turn him around and get him into the arms of a Phil Mathis, then that's different for Georgia. That that's that's the spot they haven't been in as much. And they get these favorable situations, you know, when it comes to third down. But you know, I think this Alabama, this Alabama defense has to be able to force a couple turnovers. Get Georgia kind of spooked. Whether that's a strip sack, whether that's stepping in front of a throw, a bobbled throw or something like that, a bobbled catch from one of these Georgia receivers who are relatively inexperienced in, in this kind of atmosphere, if you actually think about it, then I think that's where Alabama has a chance to really show, all right, this defense is legit. And the defense has actually been playing really well. I mean, if they let – like TJ Finley with a bum leg run all over them and throw all over them, then we're having a different conversation about this Alabama team. I mean, Alabama was kept alive from that defense last week, and there's no way they win that without them. But they're going to have to play the game of their lives because I, I see them having to face a lot of short fields in this one. And if Will Anderson is playing at a peak level, you know, Ivory Christian from Friday Night Lights, the movie, that's what I go back to. Can he have a game like that where you just decide, I'm going to put this team on my back? I wouldn't rule it out with how good he's been, but that's what it's going to take for Alabama to win this one. If we look at the coaching matchup, um, have you also noticed – I mean, there are times, and I've seen guys do it. I never did it when I coached, but, you know, some guys, they'll just scream the paint off the locker room walls. And that's when you've got a player or a team that is good enough to respond to that because they're not close to their 100%. Have you noticed that that has not been Saban this year? It has been pats on the fanny and arm around the shoulder. And his language at the end of games, I'm like, did an alien jump in there? Um, it has been a to- – and to me, that is telling that he's looking at his team going, being typical Nick Saban and kicking a puppy down the tunnel, that ain't going to work with this team. Chuck, you are spot on with that. And I noticed that after, especially in the post game, after the Iron Bowl win, where Saban's telling Jamie Erdahl, like, I I told him at halftime, just have fun. Don't worry about the result. I'm like, I had to rewind it. Who just said that? That was Nick Saban? Like, the GOAT just came out and said that? This is a guy who we see blow a gasket when he's up 40 points in the fourth quarter. And here he is patting his team on the back for being able to, to beat a, a six-win Auburn team, you know, barely in four overtimes. And I think that's the difference. And Saban kind of realizes it. And I think he's trying to soak it in. He knows that his team has kind of been playing with fire all year, but they have found a way. I mean, the stat that I keep bringing up, six of eight SEC games that Alabama played in this year, it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. This team has found a way. And Saban has just kind of embraced it. He's like, all right, well, this is – this is who they are. We're not going to all of a sudden expect them to put the foot on the gas. I know the Ole Miss win was great, and the Mississippi State win, the way that they were able to dominate, that was great. But those moments have been few and far between. Those have actually been the outliers. And I think Saban just kind of realizes, look, just hope this team is able to find a way and make some plays down the stretch and you know, just win the football game and don't worry about style points. They they can't run the ball tomorrow. That's that's no. not full. They got injured running back, injured running back, freshman quarterback, 175 pound wide receiver, and a linebacker. That's that's the running backs for tomorrow. Um, and so, 
I, Bryce Young, uh, he's gonna. I think he's the best quarterback in the country. I, I think he could be the Heisman winner. I don't know. Um, he's going to have to have the best game he's ever played in his life because of the stage and the stakes and the opponent. There's no doubt about it. And, and there were a lot of people last week who were – down on him and maybe they just looked at the box score to me if you watch that game and said oh that's not a Heisman moment for Bryce Young driving 97 yards on your rival with your season on the line a defense that's been kicking your tail six ways to Sunday and you come out with the throws that he was making if you if you didn't say that that's a Heisman moment for him sorry to me that's just incorrect because I I thought he was at a different level and it seemed like so many things were working against him. And it's so rare to see an Alabama quarterback have to work this hard with an offensive line that doesn't really want to protect. And some of that is because Bryce Young likes to escape the pockets, and maybe that hurts them a little bit. I don't know. But I I think that he is the best quarterback in college football right now. And I think if you're an Alabama fan, that's the only thing you could really hold on to hope to, is that maybe he's going to play the game of his life. Maybe he's going to make some of these wow, dazzling type of plays. I think he can still win the Heisman if he loses this football game, if he wins it's there's no doubt about it in my opinion that award is his but if he hits more than 17 points against Georgia which nobody's been able to do all year yeah maybe we're talking about Bryce Young for the Heisman and with one healthy scholarship running back and that is Trey Sanders man it just feels like there's a lot working against him in this one all right 60 seconds left if it is a 34 20 Georgia game Bama moves on to the a really nice bowl game etc um fixable in the offseason to get back to Bama standards we just got like I yeah. said about 60 seconds yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny you mentioned that. My final score prediction is Georgia winning this 35-21, to 21. so that's, uh, that pretty right. much hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I've kind of wondered about, too, with Saban in, in these moods that he's had after the games is I wonder if he just is kind of like, well, you know what, I'm going to have the two best players in college football on my roster coming back next year no matter what. I don't have to sweat out an NFL draft decision. I get Bryce Young on the offensive side of the ball. I get Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. Both of those guys are second-year players. They'll be able to figure it out, and they're going to be better for this. We'll, we'll wait and see some of these NFL draft decisions but Bama's not going anywhere. I mean, let's make no mistake about it. I, I think their offensive line will get better long-term and those issues that they've had, they're going to dip yep. in the transfer portal. They'll get another key player, but I, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about the long-term future of Bama if they don't win this one. All right, Connor, appreciate it so much, brother. Thanks you so much. We'll uh, talk soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Okay, CJ O'Gara on Twitter. And again, I'm talking about back to Bama levels, which is not necessarily too losses certainly not one if it's a two touchdown or whatever and uh, no chance to win it's just not the normal profile of that program Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 55 sticks, talking college football every single day. Been doing that since 2014. Appreciate everybody making that possible. I eyeballed Stetson Bennett when he first showed up on campus in Athens, and then I eyeballed him on the way out the door to Jones Community College, and then even after his return. And if you said, Chuck, what is the likelihood that this guy, even with how Kirby is stacking class after class, 
this guy will be the starting quarterback for undefeated number one, 13-0 Georgia after they beat Saban and Alabama next season or two seasons. I would have said I'm more likely to build a bridge across the Mississippi River. That it just that's not the guy. That's not a quarterback who does that. Uh, and even more impressively, it has not been hand the ball off, carry out your fake. It hadn't been. And it hadn't even been like short underneath controlled stuff. It's been shot plays at times. I can't explain it. Want to welcome on a guy who maybe he can. He has a website. It's called collegefootballnews.com. It's pretty good. Pete Futak, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. I guess, I guess to explain it is to say that he is a decent passing quarterback who gets 10 days to throw behind one of the best offensive lines in the country, and he gets to do it without really any concerns because that defense is going to clean up every mess. We'll see on Saturday if all that works out against a pass rush that's yep. going to be coming hard again, like that Alabama thing is about to come. So uh, I'll believe it when I see it. it. Look, if this doesn't work, they can. We can't really judge it really by tomorrow. It's whether that Georgia wins the national championship because Georgia's in no matter what. Uh, but if they don't win the national championship, certainly it wasn't Jake Fromm's fault when you know he was the best player on the field for a stretch there in the national championship a few years ago. But if this is another case of Kirby Smart leaving an NFL starter on the bench for a guy who's you know good college quarterback but not quite the other guy, that's a that, that's going to be pretty big. Stetson Bennett, his game this year, uh, the one – because JT Daniels can throw deep. The one thing that, that has been substance, it's, it's concrete, it's tangible, is Stetson's ability to run, not to be Nick Marshall or Michael Vick back in the day, um, but he can run. He can move things a little bit and can occupy a guy just enough. Um, is that enough of a factor in your mind for that to, to kind of carry the day if that's it? It just seems like it's more. No, uh, maybe not against the Alabama defense because that guy, that, that, they got guys on that side, I and mean, that, that's a group that's not going to have be bothered and have no problem if it's Stetson Bennett running the ball. And to go back to your deep threat thing, it really is crazy. I mean, if you look at the stats under Kirby Smart at Georgia, this is a program that has never averaged over 10 yards per throw. I think there was a little bit of a stretch where uh, Fromm had a game or three where he, he was able to bomb away. But this has never been a deep shot program except for the second part of last year when JT Daniels came in. Now, to be fair to Bennett, they don't have all the weapons that, that they've had last year. Obviously, the George Pickens injury, we'll yep. see how healthy he is. But uh, And they haven't had the, the, the weapons. It's still Georgia, so the receivers are still good. But, uh, but this offense under Daniels last year, it was like, okay, now we see what this thing could and should be because they were averaging, you know, crazy downfield numbers with Daniels, and that's just not there with Bennett. So, I, I, I sure, of course, it, you'd like your guy to be able to run a little bit. I don't think it makes that big a difference tomorrow. All right, let's uh, look at Big 12, and I would like Spence Sanders to not throw any interceptions against Baylor, but um, I, think, I think he can do that. And, boy, that defense is so fun to watch. Um, give me your lowdown tomorrow. What happens? I'll be shocked if it's not Oklahoma State rising up and rocking this game. Uh, it, it, I think kind of the theme for tomorrow and even tonight 
is really going to be about, I don't want to say redemption, but just sort of, you know, the teams that got there, it's like, okay, we're here now, and now we're going to kind of show you what we do, which is why I'll be really curious to see uh, Bama tomorrow because that seemed like a, a head coach and a team that were like, all right, we got, we got to where we need to be, now it's on. Let's see what happens with Oklahoma State because they were great all year defensively. That team on the other side last week in the Oklahoma uniforms had guys too. So there's no shame in, in giving up over 400 yards and uh, 33 points, but that was the worst defensive performance of the year by the Cowboys. I think they clamp it down hard tomorrow. Uh, in the, maybe it takes about a half to get there, but in the second half, I think Oklahoma State gets over, gets, uh, takes over. Uh, then they go to the college football playoff, get the three seed. Michigan-Iowa. I don't expect this to be crazy. I mean, Iowa's got a defense. I mean, the, the, they don't have an offense. It's all about whether or not that D can force takeaways. Now, Michigan doesn't turn the ball over, so they're not going to necessarily feed into this. So as long as Michigan can just keep it boring and just keep it conservative, they win because they have the lines. And Kirk Ferentz is always known for having the great lines at Iowa. This offensive line's awful. I mean, Tyler Lindebaum's an NFL starting center for the next 10 years or guard if wherever he plays in the middle of the line. But they allow way too many plays in the backfield. There's no running game. Uh, Michigan lines are going to take over this game. Uh, again, I don't think you're going to see anything spectacular. I don't necessarily think Michigan even covers because it's a pretty large spread. And, again, the Iowa defense is good. I just don't think Iowa's going to have any offense unless that D gives them three takeaways. Uh, the other game that will determine the playoffs, uh, Houston could win tomorrow. But when you say it like yeah. that, it means you're kind of talking yourself into something. And I think this is one of those games where if Houston wins, Cincinnati has to be complicit, don't they? quietly been really awesome i mean no one's talking about them i mean they had the you know bad game against texas Tech to start the season but they've cranked out 11 in a row uh since then now cincinnati's schedule is awful he had the one yep. win and that's it houston's is worse i mean houston really hasn't beaten anybody uh but They've been building up, and that defense is going to get after Desmond Ritter and that backfield more than anybody has all year, at least since going to South Bend, because this group can attack. Uh, and again, going back to kind of the you know who has the pressure, who has who has it on their shoulders. You know, I, again, going back to the SEC championship, Georgia's in all the pressure. You know, I. All the pressure's on them to be great, and Alabama's going to you know, see what they can do. All the pressure's on Cincinnati to be awesome. Uh, last year's American Athletic Conference Championship needed a walk-off field goal to get by Tulsa. I would not be shocked if there's a repeat this time around. I think Houston gives them a game. All right, not that it will determine anything big picture, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Utah beat Oregon again tonight. I don't think they're going to drop a sack of hammers on them like they did earlier. But um, Utah, I, I, I tell people this, if you're talking physical, tough, you know, smash mouth, whatever you want to use, that's Utah in the Pac-12 as much as anybody. Yeah, I love them to start the season. I did pick USC, though, to win the South. But I did – Utah was kind of my – you know, my pet darling team to watch out for because of just that. They have the lines. They have the guys. To your, exactly what you kind of said before, am I talking myself into something? It's been my narrative pretty much all year. The very start of the season, I called that, you, that the Utah game was where Oregon was going to 
going to biff it in November, and then they rise back up, and then they play well, and they win the Pac-12 championship for a third year in a row. Then they go to the Rose Bowl and beat whatever random Big Ten team is there. It just it seems like it's the Oregon narrative. I, I I can't get away from it. It just it's hard to beat a team twice. You have a yeah. a, a team with a whole lot of NFL talent on that Oregon side, uh, and they're going to come into this game very very angry and disrespected and all that. You're not going to get the same energy you had at that Salt Lake City game. So I, I I'm sticking with my original call with Oregon here, but certainly Utah is fantastic. You have a Heisman vote. I do. Is Kenny Pickett a real life candidate? Well, as much as anybody else, this is the worst Heisman field ever. It's my – everyone yells at me for this. I really get people mad. I keep keep begging. We should be doing this after the bowl games, like, you know, the games that really, really matter because there's nobody right now. And the bowl games and who's the most valuable player, most outstanding player – I, I want to. We need more. I mean, because here's the thing: if Bryce Young isn't great against Georgia, and Alabama doesn't win, what do you got? I mean, C.J. Stroud, okay, but he's like the fifth best player on his own offense, yep. and you know he's certainly magnificent, but. Uh, he's going to be everyone's number two or three guy. And then there's going to be, you know, a thousand votes and a thousand number one calls. So Stroud might rise up in this, but Bryce Young can take this. I mean, if he's, again, if he's great and they beat Georgia tomorrow, it's over and it's over in one of the biggest landslides of all time, because there's nobody else. But to answer your question, yeah, Pickett's good. I don't know if anybody's really watched him play. He's you know, does he have a Heisman moment? Not really. You know, you kind of want those signature, you know, signature moments that says, yeah, I am the Heisman guy. Caleb Williams was going to be my guy for you know, this whole process for what he was doing. Uh, but I, as a, as a Heisman voter under penalty of death, you're not supposed to release, you know, what you're thinking or what you're doing. Uh, I can honestly say and be cool with this. I have zero idea until after tomorrow. Well, I'll tell you, Pickett dropped 403 on New Hampshire. So... I mean, that's got to carry some sort of weight. You know, again, he's he's great, but where's the Heisman moment? I mean, it, it, it's like last week, Bryce Young had it. I mean, you know, first, you know, 97 yeah. to go for the season. You know, that drive, you know, he only hit, what, four of ten throws, but he did it. You know, that's 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 what a Heisman winner no. does. You know, C.J. Stroud had several of those, but his team did lose to Oregon and Michigan, you know, so not his fault. He was great in both games, but, you know, that's kind of part of the deal. And, again, you know, what else you got? I mean, I'm not buying into the idea that Aiden Hutchinson's going to win if he gets three sacks tomorrow for Michigan or, you know, Jordan Davis, who, you know, is a representative of the best defense in the country. But, look, last year Trevor Lawrence got this was second place. All bets are off on what Heisman winners actually think and what they go by. All right, brother. I appreciate the input as always. We will talk to you soon. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. You too. Pete Futak from College Football News. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Just because Clemson did it, that means we can do it. Uh, so it comes down to you know fitting what you can fit into a game plan with what you guys do, what we do defensively. 
um, and, uh, and try to match that together and give our, our kids the best chance and opportunity to, to win the football game. Pat Narduzzi, ahead of the ACC title game in Charlotte. I am not going to swing at low-hanging fruit. ACC does have an issue. They may move this thing to campus, for goodness sakes. Um, the Pac-12 championship games tonight, is it still Palo Alto, is it? No, it's now Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh, I knew that. We talked about that yesterday with Westy. I'm sorry. That's absolutely right. Um, there's a ch- have we? Are we aware that Major League Baseball may be going to Vegas? And it's about time. I mean, the NBA All-Star game, the NBA, I don't know that they'll ever go back after the All-Star game experience they had um, unless they put a team there. But, like, the Oakland A's may may relocate there. And the reason that, that this kind of thing can work in Vegas is because the Pac-12 championship game does not work. The reason things like that can work in Vegas is the same reason Carrot Top works in Vegas. Because you have millions of people landing at McCarran every 30 minutes going, I need something to do. And you have casinos going, we appreciate you losing $8,000. Here are two tickets to Carrot Top. Or the Pac-12 championship game. Or the Raiders. Or UNLV football. Or, 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 or. I told you, I looked out the window. I was staying at Mandalay Bay, and I looked out the window one morning, and I <laughs> I saw two billboards. One was for Frankie Valley, and he was playing at the Orleans. The Orleans is not a t- – Dan, you've been – Past the Orleans or in the Orleans? Past. Okay. Past. Never one step foot. David, there, have Palace Station. Past as well. But David. I know that the Henderson Silver Knights <laughs> played there for one season. The or- Oh, that, that's right. They've got a little arena there they in the did. Orleans. Now yeah. they're moving out to Henderson. So. Um, so the Orleans, which it's not the nicest place in Vegas, but uh, Frankie Valley was playing there and the tickets were $50. The billboard right next to it was Jersey Boys, which somebody pretending to be Frankie Valley, and those tickets were 175. I was like, all right, there's Vegas. Um, but the reason that Frankie Valley, who honestly, uh, if he was the third, I saw Jersey Boys. I paid the 175. I was like, oh yeah, let's go down to Paris. Um, is because somebody in Vegas. Did well enough at craps or lost enough at craps, did whatever. We're going to give you tickets. So the Pac-12, when they were in northern, 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 no cow, way up there, the fans who sat low enough that they were below the fog could see a reasonably good football game um, some years and without a lot on the lines some years. And it was just very sparsely attended. Back in the day, if if you're old, well, everybody's old enough to have heard about it because it's back now, the USFL. There were, it was a regular thing in some of the USFL locales for TV. Announcement in stadium. Anyone on the visitor's side, if you, because, you know, TV is all tilted towards the home, in most cases, the home field or whatever the far side. If everyone would like to get you on that side of the stadium, and we're only going to shoot from this to make it look better. The ACC, Clemson's got about as good a fan base as you're going to find anywhere. 
when Clemson's in the game. Dan, do you know this? They like they still don't, they don't sell upper upper deck, do they? They don't. They've had tarp up there at the ACC title game, haven't they? Well, they're going to need it this year for sure. When Clemson's in the game, they're not selling those. Either they have a tarp up in just the end zones, or maybe the entire upper deck in Charlotte. And like I said, I'm not trying to you know swing at every pitch here, but. There was a game, and I think it might have been when did Duke play Florida State there for the title? I think Duke played Florida State for the ACC championship. And I remember there being a story. This is not made up, folks. Friday, the day before the ACC title game, a ticket to the guided tour of the stadium costs more than a ticket the next night to the ACC championship game. The tour was $10, and that's standard because it's $10 because they put up a sandwich board and it says it's $10. And whether there's three people or 80, they all pay $10. That's not how a game ticket works. Game ticket works. If there's three people, the price keeps going down. There were $8 tickets. $10 to walk through an empty stadium. $8 to attend the actual game. That was with Florida State and a relatively local team. I know Duke. I uh, Believe me. We've, uh, I told you the story about we had him in the Chick-fil-A Bowl that year. That, that whole conversation. The Duke basketball team was playing Elon the same night. Go look up your computer. The same night that Duke played Texas A&M in Atlanta in football, basketball team was playing Elon, and the folks from Duke told us, just want to warn you, We've got a December 30th game against the Elon Phoenix. Is it the Phoenix? Against the Elon Phoenix. That's going to draw away from the bowl game against a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. So they've had tarp up or they've had the whole thing off or whatever it is. They've had cheaper tickets to the game than the tour. And that's with Clemson or Florida State or Duke or whomever. With Pitt and Wake Forest. I told you, when Wake Forest was in the Orange Bowl against Louisville, this would have been the 06 season, right? Buddy of mine is the Wake Forest alumni president in Atlanta. And she told me there are fewer living alumni like worldwide, Wake Forest has fewer living alumni than fans Ole Miss took to Birmingham for their bowl game. If every living alumni on earth came to the game, it would be fewer than Ole Miss took to Legion Field. So, yeah, that's with Clemson or North Carolina or whoever. Damn, what's up? Well, you know, it's the old joke of, you know, I'm not going to do the two tickets on the windowsill and then Came back. Yeah. And there yeah. were four. Um, it's the uh, old joke of the guy that called the ticket office. Hey, uh, what time does the game start? What time can you get here? That's pretty much how it's going to be. They might be better off Chuck playing this at Jerry Richardson stadium, which is where the Charlotte 49ers play. 
15,000 capacity at that game. I'm setting the over-under for tomorrow at 25,000 because I don't imagine people out there saying, you know what, I'm a huge Pitt Panther fan. Did you go there? No. I'm I'm a huge Wake Forest fan. Did you go there? Maybe if you were a Chris Paul fan, maybe that would be a reason that you'd be a Wake Forest fan, but that's a reason. Um, I am actually going to continue to uh, keep swinging at pitches here because we saw the tweet earlier in the week. Georgia, six-and-a-half-point favorite. Mark's only the sixth time since 2008. Bama's been an underdog under Nick yep. Saban. Bama won four of the five previous games. If you subscribe to that type of thought, stop listening to this radio show because it, it seriously it, it has no bearing on this game when it is one of those things that is just kind of a distraction for you out there to be able to say, hey, Bama's got a shot in this game. If Georgia plays anywhere close to the way that they are supposed to play in this game, I don't think there is a shot for Alabama to win this game. We talked about it earlier this week with Drew DeArmond. Hey, this needs to happen. That needs to happen. Everything else, it just seems like a lot it, because it is a lot. Bama is a very talented team. They are young at the wrong spots georgia is a very talented team they are very good at the right spots that's going to be the difference in tomorrow's game yeah and they had a lot of folks come back and it was hashtag unfinished business and uh it looks like they're on the verge of finishing i mean still bam and saving and everything but boy that team's loaded with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.